listener production. Warm, enjoyable and chock full of nuts. Just like a sneaky mid-morning brownie. And I can't live without it. It's Matt and Alex All Day Breakfast. Well, I'm a little bit nervous, Alex Dyson, because we have a guest on today's show who I haven't spoken to for a couple of years now uh, in person. Mm. And the last time I did, I uh, was a bit of a goose. (laughs) Oh, no. How'd you put your foot in it this time? Well, uh, it it is an incredible sports person, one of Australia's finest sports people, activist, Mm. um, you know, always trying to make change for better in the world. He goes by the name of David Pocock, and I decided, in all my wisdom, to give him some career advice. Uh, So, in a... a, One of Australia's finest rugby players of the last (laughs) decade or two, uh, you decided to let him know... advice from someone... Who at best played 15B's rugby and had to walk off after he hurt his jaw. Yeah, well, you quit sport because you didn't want to hurt your face. Uh, David Procott didn't worry about that, played many years as an Australian rugby player, has since published an incredible book with his partner Emma in our nature, and has just started a real cool initiative. Uh, well, cool being the operative word. The cool down is what it's called. We're going to find out a little bit more about that uh, later on from Australian legend David Pocock. And I'm going to apologise for my. We'll see what he says. I'll see whether he he's as embarrassed for me as I am for myself. We've got a really great insiders in store for you as well, which you'll be seeing very, very soon. And Matt O'Kine, um, my favourite audio of 2021 almost, is going to be up next. i got to tell you, you haven't heard this yet, but <laughs> um, the, an original prankster has been out and about. And uh, we'll, we're going to be playing you exactly what went down in Virginia, USA, in a moment as part of this. Matt and Alex, All Day Breakfast. This is just the start. Everyone ready? Let's get this show on the road. Let's go. Here we go, here we go, here we go. Matt and Alex, all day breakfast. Now, Matt O'Kine, we have talked uh, on this program before how I and many other people were not allowed to watch The Simpsons growing up. Um, Wasn't part of it. But you cannot help being a young person going through that have things come in. I remember, I do know the monorail song, okay? Monorail. (laughs) I do do know Spider-Pig. I know that. Mm, that wasn't a really a Simpsons thing. I mean, that was a weird well, Simpsons, Simpsons movie. movie right, yeah. I didn't realise it was from the movie. I just knew, I knew that was in there. But I also knew that Bart Simpson liked to call uh, Moe's Tavern and <laughs> pretend to be different names. I mean, sure, yes. I'm sure you'd remember some. You know, I want to talk to Amanda Hug and Kiss. <laughs> yeah. Amanda, exactly right. Amanda Hug and Kiss. Um, what else? Uh, see more butts. <laughs> I'd like I to wanna s- see more butts, see more butts. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. And so um I I had to laugh when someone, I think probably inspired by the Simpsons, trolled a Virginia school board meeting. Now, think of it, it kind of looks like a courtroom. Okay. This is what I want you to picture about Okide when I play this audio. It looks like a bit of a courtroom. There's about five or six people sitting up behind a bench. Okay. Mm-hmm. They're taking testimony from the public. They read out the public's name. A lady stands up. She gives her testimony. She sits down. He then goes to call the next person up. That person isn't there, so he goes on to the next person oh and the God. next person. The problem is the <laughs> names that oh come up. Oh, my God. Up. I'm already feeling <laughs> awkward about this already. 
and there's people sitting around. And this is very the production values are. Up. I think these sort of things are streamed for the community so they can know what their <laughs> what their local school board is doing. But the guy is absolutely clueless that some of the names <laughs> that he's reading out are potentially skewing towards a different meaning. So um, let's have a listen to it right now, shall we? You answer to us, and I'm asking that you do not pass this policy in Virginia. Thank you so much, Ms. Thomas. We do appreciate you. Phil McCracken. (laughs) Phil McCracken. Sulk. Sook. Mahidic. (laughs) Ophelia McHawk. Ophelia McHawk. Eileen Dover. Eileen Dover. <laughs> Don Kiddick. Don Kiddick. Don Kiddick. <laughs> Wayne Kerr. <laughs> Wayne Kerr. Oh my goodness. Oh my God. How <laughs> long? They had the, I had the biggest list that you could come. <laughs> I didn't know there were that many names that meant that many things. I know. Oh, <laughs> Phil McCracken. <laughs> so anyway, just uh, thought we'd bring that to you today to let you know that um, solid pranks. I don't know if you've got if you've got any other pranks like that. Let us know at, at matt.n.alex. Well, who would we who would we be able to get? There's, who reads out names like that? We're, we're a couple of original pranksters, Matt. You love a prank. Oh, I don't like a prank. You, even you if pranked it's just me getting... last year, remember? <laughs> pranked me. A, with... That was a friendly thing. <laughs> um, I can't. That was doing you a favour. I was, oh, I was yes, trying to yes, introduce no, you to your yeah, favourite yeah, yeah. TikToker. Thank you very much. Yeah, stop hitting yourself. Stop hitting yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you keep hitting yourself? <laughs> but, Matt, now that these names are used up, Okay, they're starting. You can't just use the same ones again because it's not funny. I reckon we should brainstorm collectively and try and come up with tomorrow some brand new ones. If you are looking to prank someone with some names, we could try and um, come up with a with a couple for yeah. you. Yeah, should we try? Yeah, to- send us send us your names. <laughs> Then not, not your, not the ones that you've heard from some joke book. Come no, up with no, some no. absolute original ones. We need some original brainstorming here on Matt and Alex all day breakfast. Because you know what? Because look, uh, like I was just thinking about it when I was saying it before. You know, Amanda hug and kiss. That that doesn't fly anymore. No. You know what I mean? That's it's not it's not cool. People are all over it. <laughs> So I, I hadn't heard Don. Seymour Butts. Yeah. Done. Hadn't heard Don Kedick before, but um, I think it just gives me hope that we can come up with some uh, some original uh, some real nom de plumes that we can uh, scatter amongst the, uh, the the public consciousness here. All right. Excellent work. At Matt Don and Alex, let's go. Original pranksters. <laughs> coffee? Yeah, coffee. A seventh coffee never hurt anyone. Oh, I feel a buzz. Juicy goss from me? Do you know what's going on here? We know what's going on. You won't believe it. Real juicy. So let's just keep it on the down low, shall we? Matt and Alex's insiders. Insiders.
Yes, very, very excited to jump back into our segment where we take a peek behind the curtain, where we go into the back room of professions around Australia and find out what really goes on. I mean, real estate agents have been done in the past, butchers, sewerage plant workers, Pilates instructors, they've all come on and revealed all. And today's anonymous insider happens to work in a field where uh, neither Matt nor I visit too much, given we don't have pets. But many people do, and that's why it's very, very cool to be chatting to an anonymous vet. Hello, anonymous. Hello. I um, just want to clarify I'm a vet nurse, not a vet. Not that oh, smart. okay. So what's the difference between a vet and a vet nurse? Uh, they have brains. Um, I'm basically <laughs> a glorified cleaner. <laughs> Come on, anonymous. That's oh, not really? True. <laughs> Come on. So how, I mean, do you get your hands dirty? And, and I mean that quite literally because as soon as I think of a vet, I think of um, sticking your hands in cow's asses and f***ing <laughs> off horses. Oh, it's funny. I have actually put my hand up a cow's ass. Yep. Um, that's the thing. And what was that yeah, like? Lots of, um, gross. Yeah, pretty gross. Mm. How far um, up does it go? Uh, well, as far as my... Um, Went can go and in the vagina. You can actually um pat the calves inside. It's pretty, it's pretty cool. What? So when you go, yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. So you put on your big plastic sleeve. You go in there and you give a cow that hasn't been born yet a pat. Basically, yeah, done that a couple of times now. Oh, wow. It'd be weird for the cow, wouldn't it? Be like, but I'm not sick. What are you doing? Get the glove off. I'm not feeling fine. <laughs> Goodness gracious! Where else have you found found your appendages uh, in your time, anonymous? I'm um, holding lots of dog intestines. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, where else has my hand been? <laughs> Why are you holding dog intestines? Are you usually because are you doing? Is this while like when the doctor? <laughs> When the doctors or the vet doc is operating, do they go, hold this and then like hand you intestines and then they sort of get yeah. to business and then they put them back? Yeah, sometimes like really big dogs, there's just not enough room on the table. So you have to scrub in and, and literally give a hand. So there's no like intestine uh, tray that they put it on. It's literally they get a, a human to hold, hold the intestine. Just like holding like sausages. Basically, yeah. Well, usually it just goes on top of the animal, on top of the drape. But um, in some cases when you really have to dig deep, for whatever you're looking for, um, yeah, you have to sort of scrub in and and. Oh, oh my goodness! Do you know what this reminds wild. me? A friend of mine got back surgery recently, and when I heard this, I was like, "Oh yeah, small incision in the back, fiddle with the spine, you're good." <laughs> and he said, "No, they go through your stomach. They cut oh, your stomach sometimes. open, then they oh, like yeah. squish all of your insides across to the side, and then that's where they operate on your spine." And it's what, like, what like Wah! people. Looking through reeds. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or a Venetian blinds just yeah, peeking out. So through okay. So look, I mean there must be a very there must be a very sad element to it as well. Which I'm sure mm. you've probably disassociated with a bit, but have you got any kind of you know, there must be some heartbreak that you've seen where you thought you were gonna that you know, a, a pet was gonna make it and they did it and the family's devastated? Yeah, all the time. And I'm I'm a when I first started, I've been in the industry Coming up to 15 years now, I used to be a sook when I first started. Then I kind of, I don't know, I wouldn't say got used to it, but didn't, mm. didn't cry. Ever since losing my dog, every dog that dies, I'm a wreck. I have to mm. leave because I sometimes cry more than the owner, which you're not really supposed to do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> 
But uh, uh, the the really sad ones that really get me are the um like the old people that come in and you know they've lost their partner and the dogs or cat is the only thing they've got left and they have to say why that is the worst and then you have to send uh, them away on their own and yeah that's that's the worst for uh, me. That's really really tough, anonymous. So yeah. um. Is- are you are you trained what to say in those situations? Is that part of the training? Yeah, you know, I'm generally trying to get them to talk about the animal. You know, where did you get the animal from? Like, what was its uh, favourite thing to do? Um, you know, could they do any tricks or anything? And once they start talking about that, then, um, well, it doesn't make it easier, but mm. uh, you sort of get away from, like, the devastation and crying and stuff like that. Oh. Well, what about, um? let's go from tear jerkers to horse jerkers. What's going on there? <laughs> Well, I've heard, you know, I got told by someone, okay, and I, oh, I don't think I can actually name names, but quite a famous Australian radio host owned horses whose specimens were quite valuable, making 125 grand a pop, no pun intended, and they're making 30 million a year off the biological material of these racehorses. Oh, is, yeah. is that is that a big as big as it gets? Is that true? Yeah, I'd say it's true. I mean, like the cheap Stevens, like six grand a pot. What? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, like for, for your race race horses and and things like I'm that. I'm the you wrong know, sort of animal. I'll tell you that. Much. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Because you'd be a billionaire. I'd be a millionaire. <laughs> no. <laughs> Bloody teenage me would have been on a yacht in Dubai by now. Instead, I'm here with you, schmucks. Well, that's a problem, Matt. You're not a thoroughbred. You're a mule, mate. Yeah, there's nothing, nothing good going on there. But uh, let's get back to the um, to the task at hand, which is the vet. What's been one of the most exhilarating, life-saving moments that you've had in your time, an anonymous? Oh, good question. Um, someone wheeled um, someone in, you know, they've, they've just been hit by a car. Save yeah, this koala. Yeah, <laughs> yeah um, I think it was a hit by a car or is it a dog attack? I don't know. This dog was pretty much dead when it came in and it was just working on it for ages, obviously putting it on oxygen. Um, it was like a seven, six, seven, maybe eight hour long surgery and it tried dying like, I don't know, five, five times during surgery. And... Um, and then we suited it up and we woke it up and then it tried to die again and we were like, oh, come on. Um, but, yeah, it worked on it, kept going, and, yeah, completely fine, still comes into this day. Wow. Oh, that's, my god, That's incredible. That would have been quite a quite a big day, exhilarating moment. Full day, yes. It was, Huge. Um, it was hard work, but, yeah, it was great. One of the things I always think about is vet bills. Oh, yeah. <laughs> What is like? What are some of the costs that people are having to fork out for? And what's you know what's maybe one of the most expensive procedures that you've had to land a family with the bill for? Uh, the most expensive ones we do because we do orthopedics, so like all your hip surgeries and cutting into bone. Um, I think they're around three thousand. Well, the love they give is priceless, so it gets in there. But some dogs, through no fault of their own or any animals, uh, can have injuries or, you know, ailments afflict them. Uh, But other times uh, there are certain pooches and animals that are just a little bit dense and get themselves into (laughs) mischief. Are there any, like, situations that a dog's coming and is like, oh, this silly, silly animal has done this. Can you please help? 
Yeah, a dog got his head stuck in a tire. <laughs> in was, the tire I, of a car? Yeah, but yeah, they had to take the tire off. I don't know how it happened. Um, it was a big, I can't remember this going about years ago, big massive thing. And uh, yeah, we had to get people to cut it out. Um, we had a. So if the dog with, comes in with the tire and the wheel around, <laughs> its, around its head. <laughs> <laughs> we got called out to that one. But, um, but a lot of things. Uh, you know those Kongs that you put food in, they're supposed to get food out? A lot of times, Staffies will actually get their bottom jaw stuck in that, and then the Kongs just sit on the bottom jaw. So we've had a few of them as well. Oh, no. Getting that's stuck just, trying to feed. That Damn. sort of keeps them entertained and, like, it's harder to get yeah. the food out and that sort of thing, but their jaw actually gets stuck in it. Yeah, basically. Oh, yeah. man. And we had someone, we had. We talked about a dog swallowing a... Um, well, we, we, we talked about a pelican swallowing a chihuahua and then also a dog swallowing a G-string and the, and the vet finding a G-string in the dog. Does that kind of thing happen a lot? Yep. Yeah, we've had a few G-strings. Uh, <laughs> yeah. What? So not only does it happen once or twice, dogs love G-strings? Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, yeah. They use ones as well, generally, so, you know. Oh, my <laughs> Lord. Well, there's the danger Ew. of just throwing it on the floor out of the doona. There's, you don't <laughs> want to leave it lying around. <laughs> Goodness gracious. All right, well, Anonymous, you've given us a great look into the world of the veterinary clinic. Thank you so much for having a chat no, to no us. No and through it all, do you still have your love of animals? Because like, I'm sure that's one of the reasons you got into it. Is, is that something oh, you get yeah. to see all day? You, you must love going to work. Yeah, definitely. Yep, playing with dogs and cats, what I do, really. But uh, always covered in poop and blood. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Always. <laughs> no, I love my job. It's great. Yeah, I remember the looking looking for work experience and the RSPCA was in there. This is in year 10. And uh, one of the qualifications was being able to tolerate smells. Uh, yeah. And so I'm sure that you've uh, used that to your advantage as well, Anonymous. Yep. Oh, abscesses. Like the biggest abscess. I've almost hit the floor with uh, a smell of an abscess. Oh, I've, it just makes me think of Dr. Pimple Popper. I'm not into that at all. I, I really balk at the thought of it. That's yuck. That's so gross. Thanks, Anonymous. We'll catch you next time. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks. No worries. We'll see you later. And if you would like to help us take a look into the inside world of your work and spill a little bit of dirt, please get in touch. Matt.and.alex. Hit us up on the gram. And, uh, yeah, we might be chatting to you. Order up. Just how you like it. Perfect. All day breakfast. Well, Alex Dyson, our next guest, uh, I last had the pleasure of chatting to them uh, when I was in the backseat of their car. Uh, They were giving me a lift home from a theatre that I just performed in. And I was uh, giving them very helpful advice on how to navigate their career as a (laughs) professional rugby player. Uh, That's right. It is former <laughs> former Australian Wallabies <laughs> captain David Pocock. Hey Matt and Alex, how's it going? Good, David. I remember that well. Thank you very much for joining <laughs> us. I don't know anything about this, but I hope that you, much like uh, any Uber driver that Matt would give <laughs> advice to, <laughs> you ignored what he was saying. <laughs> Listen, it was unsolicited, but a lot of advice, um, and I did. I did say to Matt that maybe he had a future career as a sports administrator. <laughs> really good, good picture advice, you know, big picture advice, and then also some smaller kind of, you know, day-to-day wins that we could have as a sport. 
<laughs> oh my god, I'm shriveling up as I think about it. Look, I'd had a couple of beers. It was after a show. I was I was excited to see you. I just thought we could get to the nitty gritty of sports politics in Australia. But anyways, I loved it. I'm that sure I'm great. the only fan who's told you how the game could be run a bit better. Yeah, what is that like as a sports person? You know, being told because I guess people scream at the TV what you should be doing all the time. But do people ever you ever hear it from people's faces or just in comment sections? No, you'd be surprised. The kind of advice you get, um, not wanting to stereotype, but it's often kind of older white men who <laughs> <laughs> want to tell you all about when they when they played, you know, their glory days and, and how they did it, um, which leads straight into how you should be doing it. Yes. Well, you did many, many, many caps for Australia, so I think you're, uh, you're the professional when it comes to that, David. I also, oh, man, that just reminds me of one of the biggest backtracks probably in the history of the internet when... Um, uh, right-wing columnist Miranda Devine called you, what did she say, you were a wanker for making spirit fingers? And you said, oh, that's the Auslan sign oh, for man. clapping. And she, oh, man, <laughs> the amount of egg just dripping down her face <laughs> made me so happy, David. I laughed so hard after that because we, we, yeah, we had a game and I'd, I'd been, I think I'd, be cha- I'd been chatting to a friend in Perth who her first language is Auslan. Like she grew up with both of her parents' um uh, profoundly deaf, and so I thought if, if I it's not like I score a lot of tries. If I score a try, I'm going to do a bit of a wave, uh, and then did that and got off the field later that night. Checked um, Twitter and, and you know Miranda Devine having a good old crack. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the amazing, uh, so funny. Absolutely, the human omelets after that one, <laughs> which, which was a shocker. But I mean, that's the thing, David. You've been a trailblazer for a while now. It's awesome that you're able to uh, to put things like that into your sporting career, and you've come up with something so incredible now that is um, that is joining together a bunch of sports people under a common umbrella. Can you tell us a little bit about the cool down campaign, which uh, you've started off? Yeah, for sure. We've we've started a campaign called the Cool Down, basically offering athletes an opportunity to come together and yeah, hopefully make make our voices heard on climate. This is something that is gonna affect all Australians and already already is affecting uh, Australians and you know, as athletes we want the best for, you know, our families and kids and future generations. Um, and I think one of the things that really gets missed in the debate about climate, given just how like political it is here in Australia, um, which you've got to remember is like, it's quite unusual for a developed country. You know, most countries are just cracking on with, with trying to get to net zero. We're still kind of debating whether, whether we should get there. One of the things that gets missed is this is going to, it's going to affect our day-to-day lives and it's going to affect things like the sports that we love and, you know, have been enjoying for generations. And so, yeah, we've got over 350 athletes now from 30 sports uh, calling for, you know, the government to make a commitment to to reach net zero before 2050 and to halve our emissions by 2030, which is really just in line with, you know, what science is saying. We're not we're not climate scientists, but you know, as we've seen with COVID, when you listen to people who do know what they're talking about, things tend to go better than just, um, you know, making your own, own plan up. Yeah, um, look, it's a great initiative, but the cynic part of me immediately jumps to this question where, you know, you've got you've assembled a team of 350 sports people, that's your industry. Um, 
they're all incredible names and all very good at sport. What is them signing a piece of paper going to do to change anything? How do you actually plan on using this momentum to to make a difference? <laughs> it's a great question. I mean, so much has been done in this space. Um, but sport, wrongly or rightly, has kind of this elevated position in Australian culture. And, you know, when I was a kid, I certainly idolized a bunch of sports people and were kind of really interested in what they, you know, how they lived and what they were, what they were into. And so I think having more high profile athletes talking about this and saying that this is something that's important, will hopefully, you know, encourage other people to, to do the same and really push for change. And, you know, obviously as Australian democracy, we get, uh, we get to vote every every election and hopefully you know, people will be taking that into account when we do vote. Absolutely. And the names yeah. you've been able to get uh, get together to um, show the, the voices from sports people have been incredible. Pat Cummins, the cricket player, Kate and Bronte Campbell, uh, Olympic legends, Lance Franklin, you've got Liz Ellis and Mark Webber as well. What are the sort of conversations you've had with, with these people and what are they telling you about what they uh, would really want to see uh, from uh, the leadership in Australia? I've been blown away just how many, like, you know, people who genuinely like heroes um, and people that I've looked up to for a long time, um, you know, wanting to put their name alongside this and really wanting to push for a better, you know, future for for Australia. Um, we're in such a fortunate position where acting on climate is actually good for the economy. Um, mm. And, you know, we can, as the, the windiest, sunniest, country in the world um <laughs> we should be we should be leading you know and you know with with the olympics and paralympics like uh i don't know about you guys i've been right into it and you know we love seeing our athletes killing it on the the world stage and winning medals you know knowing that we're a relatively small country punching above our weight on the world stage you know sticking it to these bigger countries Whereas when it comes to climate like we were literally ranked last like mm. last in the world. <laughs> uh, it's not a medal tally you want to be in the bottom of, is it, really? <laughs> yeah. it's, it's pretty embarrassing. <laughs> so, it's, I mean, yeah, I've, I've been blown away how many athletes, you know, think this is important. And, you know, it's a tough one as an athlete to come out publicly talking about anything outside of your sport because you get the usual people telling you just to, you know, stay in your lane, mate, stick to sports, um, shut up. We don't want to hear it. Um, but the reality is this is, you know, these are things that are affecting all of our lives and sport will definitely be affected. It's already, it's already being affected around the country. Well, David, seriously, I'm genuinely always blown away by your initiative and uh, by the drive that you have to make a change, to make an impact, whether it be uh, with, with your work in saving forestry or rhinos or you know working on climate change you're an absolute inspiration we can't thank you enough for everything you do so please if you're listening and you want to do something uh check out the cooldown.com.au to see who's getting behind this movement david pocock thank you once again and uh let me know if you ever need any more advice on <laughs> professional rugby I was going to say, man, are you doing any consultancy work? So we could- <laughs> That's it. Oh, Zoom, my Zoom link's always open, mate. You click. <laughs> I'll let you know. <laughs> I can do match reviews. Uh, we can break down some of your play. Yeah, I've got it all sorted. So there you go. Sounds great.
Cheers, mate. All the best. Okay, thanks so much. Cheers, guys. Bro, cop this. Yesterday I talked about getting a uh, speeding fine for going 48 in a 40 zone. It was a 40 zone I didn't even know was a 40 zone. Yeah, Oxford right. Street, Sydney. I mean, the worst part about that is I, I, that street is rough. Try to ride a bike along there in the day with the buses coming up behind you. I, I had to start going 48 along there because it is Just terrifying. Just get out of the road. way of some exactly. big accordion bus, the triple three <laughs> screaming through to Bondi. Well, look, Joan uh, texted in to, my, uh, to Instagram and said, hey, I got the same thing. Didn't realise that they changed Oxford Street. Then, okay, a uh, person called Soph texted in, said, regarding your speeding fine, I've disputed two out of two fines previously. I'll send you the letter, then send through this, okay? So cop this. I don't know if we're allowed to <laughs> show how, this how it worked, but this is what Soph said. Dear sir slash madam, I received the above infringement, uh, which in indicates that on this date, I was detected traveling 49 in a 40 zone at this particular spot. At this time I was driving my vehicle, I was traveling at approximately 50 k's through that intersection and I've not driven in that area recently and I was under the impression that the speed limit on that section of the road was 60 kilometers an hour. Due to my good driving history, I request that you consider dealing with this matter by way of an official warning. Kind regards, Soph. And guess what? Gotten out of it. Now I'm like, God damn it, I've already paid. Oh, mate, you never fess up the money. Although they're very sneaky because I reckon, I reckon I've got a theory on this. They give you a fine that is reasonably big but not big enough that you could be bothered going through the minutiae of, 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 you know, doing these particular things. But if I knew out it was it, that easy, I'd literally just, I would literally Photoshop my name over <laughs> Soph's letter just there where she says, thank you, Soph, yep. and then that'd be it. It'd be sent off. Well, uh, too bad. Maybe next time you get caught breaking the law, Motokine, which is what we are talking about right now. But it's those times where it doesn't really pass the sniff test, where you reckon you've been a little bit hard done by. And we've got a couple oh. of calls in that regard. Hello, Alana from Coffs Harbour. Hello, how you doing? Good, thanks, Alana. Now, yesterday I mentioned that I got done about 10 years ago. Uh, I get very few infringements, but this was one that really got my goat. Uh, empty roads, I got done driving in the right-hand lane when I wasn't overtaking. Mm. Um, I mean, I, I went into detail of it yesterday, but I felt very unfairly done by seeing as there was literally no one else around. There wasn't even a police officer behind me. They were going in the opposite direction. What, are you, what happened to you, Alana? Well, it was about 10 years ago as well. Um, I was on my P's, so my provisional licence. I was 17, so I had the reds. Um, and I was on the freeway from Sydney to Newcastle, um, being very good, only going 90 k's, which is the limit when you can go 110 on the freeway. Well, I barely and, get it. you um, barely get above 40 with all the traffic on that road, really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it was um, pretty good this day. So um, I saw an undercover cop come up near me and I was like, oh, okay, I hadn't been pulled over before and he kind of... The old undercover cop. You're like, yeah. gee, that car has 13 aerials. <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes. Um, stuff as. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I saw him, he edged forward sort of thing and then behind me and he come in behind me on the lane and, and pulled me over. Um, so he actually fined me for not having my P plate displayed well enough. So 
I had them both on, the front and the back, but on the back I'd had it tucked behind the number plate. Um, oh, yeah, I've seen that a bunch of times. Yeah, and it was to get to, like, where the key goes in the boot. There was a there was a reason as well. And this was before they had those cool little plastic kind of clip-on holders yeah. that were really, you know, practical. Anyway, so he even got me out of the car and made me, like, go and stand behind the car. And he was like, see, you can't see all of the pee, rah, rah, rah. And, um, okay, but yeah. what... He, what he percentage nice. surface area of the square do you think was covered up by the number plate? I remember this really well because it was definitely over 50. And I thought, over 50, like, you've got to give it to me. But, um, yeah. So um, 50% was visible uh, yeah, and then yeah. the bottom half Did it look like, oh, was he like, man. see, it could be an R, could be a yeah. B. <laughs> How am I supposed to know? Maybe you're a burner driver or you're on your B plates. I don't know. It was tucked in so it wouldn't bloody fly off. Yeah, yeah. which would be a safety hazard, wouldn't it? Yeah. I have mates that have driven around with um, with no P's on and got pulled over multiple times and just got warnings. And um, so that made me feel really hard done. Oh, so dirty. Sorry, Alana. Well, look, now we know you have to always display the full P. Yeah, Uh, lest it be confused for a different letter of the alphabet. Uh, (laughs) Hello to Nick as well in Adelaide at the moment. G'day, Nick. G'day, boys. Now, Nick, you got a parking ticket. Yes. So I'm a tradie. I'm a fridgie. And I work in the city quite a bit. um, And I have to park my van all day. So Mm -hmm. I've found some spots that a a few hour parks, pay the ticket, go back every few hours, pay another ticket. Generally, I don't move my van, mm-hmm. and it's been fine. But this one time, I paid the ticket, went back, paid for another three hours, and then when I went back again, I'd had a uh, parking ticket on the windshield uh, for not moving my car. What? So, so you'd paid, but they say you're not allowed to double pay. <laughs> you're not allowed to pay, not move your car, and then pay for another ticket and leave your car there. But so, no, you know. okay, look, I believe I believe that if it was a non-paid one, like if it was a one-hour free, yeah, I could imagine that you couldn't just go back to your car and then leave again. Like that makes sense. But you so paid if, your ticket. If, t- if it was one hour, you park there and then you and for free you do a circle of the block and you park in the same one. Yeah, you that's what I thought that. you wouldn't get away with. But mm. you're paying the ticket. What more do they want? <laughs> That's, that's city sense. council for you, mate. Oh, <laughs> but did you contest parking, it? Did you contest bloody parking it, inspectors. Uh, I did. I was on the phone to the council and, no, I was in the wrong. It's, uh, it was the, the wrong, wrong thing by me. I didn't give the general public the chance to take my spot. No, I didn't know this, mate. I did not know this at all. Well, I hope if you paid, you also asked for your money back. Because if you're paying your hard-earned to be sitting there again and they're saying, <laughs> yeah, no, this is useless, true. I hope you got your $3 an hour back there. Thank you very much, Nick. Yeah, well, yeah, I was, I was fuming. Goodness I was gracious. Oh, I bet. Right. Well, thank you for giving us an insight into a rule that probably a lot of us didn't know or could easily get done by. So thank you very much for that. Cool. And thank you for joining us for another Matt and Alex All Day Breakfast. Uh, We will play another voice message that was left by a gentleman called Matt who got a parking ticket as well. We'll leave you with that. But before we go, we just want to say thank you one more time to David Pocock, absolute legend. Yeah, cheers to him for joining us. Cheers to you for listening. And uh, we are going to leave you with Matt from Perth who has another parking fine story, which we hope you enjoy. We'll catch you next time on All Day Breakfast. Bye-bye. Hey guys, Matt from Perth here. 
Recently, I went to a quiz night at the local pub and uh, I parked the car behind the pub in the parking lot, gone over and paid for my ticket till 9pm and uh, came out and uh, had a ticket on the windscreen for 8.55pm. So I was obviously livid and sent in a complaint to the, to the Shire that runs it and um, they've told me that there's actually two parking lots there divided by a footpath and I've parked in one and paid for a ticket in the other and that if I'd have been confused, I should have called the numbers that are available there for clarification. So obviously copped a little bit of a reprimand, but then they waived the fee. So I'm a winner and a loser. Goodness gracious me. Well, I'll tell you what, Matt and Alex, all day breakfast, it's a free parking zone. (laughs) That's it. Park your ears here all morning. That's it. The all-day breakfast kitchen is closed. Got something to add to the show? Slide into our DMs at matt.and.alex. Listener.